every week, and for the first week ever, I want to say hello to everybody watching on Amazon Fire TV. We finally got you figured out, so uh, we got that working. Everybody that's watching on Roku or on all any of the social media networks, YouTube, we're on about 11 different, uh, different uh, platforms, but uh, I know that it was a little technical hiccup. We were trying to figure out how to get on this Amazon thing to work, and if you have Amazon Fire Stick or Amazon Fire TV, you can download our app and watch any of our services from the past, or if you're on the road, you can watch it. Uh, or, or if you're uh, not here, you can watch us live. Now, the Apple TV, we're still working on that one. But uh, all of our services are archived on there. Uh, we'll have the live, hopefully, any time now. We started a series about four weeks ago called The Door to Your Comeback. And I know that I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I want to thank all of you who've been praying for my dad. Um, they found two masses on my dad about three weeks ago, uh, one in his... Uh, uh, his uh, colon and one on his liver and um, they did a biopsy and it was inconclusive and so then uh, I went to take my kids my kids were going to go up there for a few weeks um, as they do every summer and Jody and I actually yesterday was Jody and I's 20th anniversary and uh, thank you and then uh, about two weeks ago was her 50th birthday so this has kind of been a landmark year for us and so we were going to go out of town on vacation, uh, a little trip away, just me and her. And um, we're gonna, we were going to meet up with her family for a few days so they could celebrate her birthday with us. Uh, and then this thing came up with my dad. And so when I went to take my kids up there, I just really felt like, and you know, they didn't come right out and say, can you stay? But I knew that that was the right thing to do. And people were like, well, why, man? You're a pastor. You should have been at church. Listen, before I was a pastor, I was a son. And I'm sorry if I offended you by being gone two weeks, but my dad, my, my family trumps anything I'm doing here. I love you all, and, uh, and that's why I'm back here, because I feel like that's what the Lord wants us to do. Um, but I, I took some personal time to take care of him. He had uh, 18 inches of his colon removed, and uh, they um, did come back out and find that it was cancer. Um, but the prognosis became very good. Uh, they said uh, they got all of it in the can uh, in the colon. Uh, it had kind of spread a little bit over to his pancreas and to his duodenum, but they got all that. Now the spot on his liver. They they took 16 of his lymph nodes and all of them came back clean. Which, if you know anything about cancer, fighting cancer, that's extremely good because that means it didn't get in the blood system and didn't go everywhere. So the little spot on his liver was just where they had kind of overlapped and it had grown out. The doctor said, man, we'll be able to burn that thing off and it'll be no big deal. Uh, you're going to be just fine. And so now what we're believing for, and he's probably cringing because I'm saying all this, but we're believing he's going to have a PET scan here in a few weeks. Uh, and so we're believing that it shows no more cancer anywhere else. He's actually believing that what's on his liver is going to be gone. So I want you all to get in agreement with us about that. But I want to thank you for, for praying for them. Uh, I, I spent a week pretty much at the hospital. My mom was there. At, she wouldn't leave. She only left just briefly. Um, but we were at the hospital a lot the first week I was gone. Last week, uh, he got to come home. And so we were you know, there kind of taking care of him while my mom went back to work. They have a very successful business there. And so um, thank you for allowing us to be gone. And you know, I, I said this morning, I said, I don't really want to talk a lot about this. And 
have 25 people come up or 1,000 people come up to me, which there's not 1,000 people here, but, you know, I've got faith. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, I didn't want to have to keep saying it over and over again, and, you know, it's just a lot to, you know, process. It's the kind of things you don't ever think you're going to face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, um, so uh, thank you very much for praying for my dad and, and just keep him in your prayers. Um, we're looking forward to good things happening over the next several weeks. Thank you very much. Amen. All right. So we started a series called The Door for Your Comeback, and the one week that I have preached on this, the first step for me preaching was I said to you, don't fear the bad. I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> had no idea what I was getting ready to face. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, it was very tempting to get in fear. Now, if anybody wants to sit here and say, you don't know what it's like to be in my shoes, I beg to differ. The last two weeks, I'll put them up against anything you've faced. I know what it's like to have the shadow of darkness hanging over you. Okay? And the thing about it is, is you have to look at that thing in the face. You have to. If you think that that bad things aren't ever going to happen or come your way, you don't understand what life is. Bad things are going to come your way. They're going to come up against you. Listen, faith is not something that keeps bad things from happening. Faith, actually, the Bible calls it a shield. You know, how many of you have seen Avengers? Captain America carries around a, a big shield. That shield is sometimes an offensive weapon that he throws, but most of the time it's blocking bullets. Come on, somebody. And so when the Bible calls faith a shield, it's not the, this guarantee that nothing bad's ever going to come your way. What it is is it's something that when bad things come your way, come on, it can't hurt you and it can't take you out and it can't take you under. <laughs> uh, it'd be a lot easier if, it, if we didn't have to face those things, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Y'all may be looking, man, what's he doing up there? I'm, pr- I'm preaching off my computer today. Because in all the excitement, that, <laughs> all the uh, confusion and everything from back home, I left my iPad. So I'm going old school today and preaching off of my computer. And um, <laughs> Mrs. Hagen always used to tell us when I was working at Ramah, she said, you boys need to learn how to preach from your heart, not have notes. And if you are, you need to put them on paper. And I said, well, how about those people that preached before there was paper? Um, anyway, um, so I was talking about that. And I said, don't fear the bad. Bad things are going to come. We can't be afraid of it. You've got to look it in the face and tell it where to go. And whatever has set you back, you can't be afraid of it. You can't be afraid of it. You've gone through a setback in your life, things and dreams that you've had really, in, you've wanted to do and something happened and set you back. If you're afraid of that, that thing will keep you there for the rest of your life. So you can't be afraid of the bad. The second thing was, Uh, Jody did a great job the last two weeks talking about it. She said the first week, you already have a gift inside of you that what it takes to get back. You already have what it takes to get there. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities are God-given, and you shouldn't just despise them and and just say, oh, that's old hat. You should embrace them because that's, that's one of the tools that you need for your comeback. You already have what it takes. Last week, we talked about surrounding yourself with the right people. Don't put a bunch of people around you that's going to talk negative, tear you down, uh, people that are going to be, you know, <laughs> all the examples that we talked about last week. You don't want friends like Job had who are going to accuse him of, and talk bad to him all the time. You want somebody that you can be around that you feel like you can follow to the end. Y'all didn't think I was watching last week. Did I help you write that? 
<laughs> so you want to surround yourself with the right people. This week, this one's really going to make you happy. This is going to be shouting material right here. Let's look at our text before we get to it. Psalms chapter 126, verse number 1. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Praise God. Well, this week, if you're going to come back from something, if the door is open, here it is. Are you ready? You got to work hard. Oh, man. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. In all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. Remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord, which he promised to his people. You are serving the Lord Christ. So today we're going to talk about working hard. Listen to those shouts right there, Ben. Listen to those amens. A lot of people want to sit back and let God do everything. And I know that's a more inspiring message. I know that's a message that makes you want to, man, the Lord's going to return your captivity and the Lord's going to bring you out. And everybody goes, yes. <laughs> but then you say, but you got to get up and walk. No. <laughs> I don't want to. The Lord's going to do everything. He's just going to pick me up and carry me. How's that working out for you? Calvin Coolidge said this, all growth depends upon activity. There is no development physically or intellectually without effort. And he didn't say this part, but we can add spiritually there. And effort means work. Amen. Work is not a curse. It is the prerogative of intelligence. The only means to manhood and the measure of civilization So the first thing I want to say to you is this. Your work is something for God to bless. If you're taking notes, it's on there, the first, get, the first blanks. Your work is something for God to bless. I've seen so many people sitting back waiting on God to do something when in reality there's nothing there for him to do anything with. I mean, I, I was a Bible school professor for 11 years, and, so, and some of my old students are sitting here. They, they'd tell you, there are people sitting around waiting, waiting on God. What are you doing? I'm just waiting on God. They'll tell you, I'm waiting on the Lord's timing. You know you graduated in 86, right? When I was the singles prep pastor there, I, I, spent a, I spent about two years as the singles pastor there, and I preached a message one time, and I said, God's will is that you get married. Now you just need to put away your lightsaber and move out of your mom's basement. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's up to us to do what God's called us to do. All right? 
A lot of people sitting around waiting on God's timing, and I'm so sick of hearing that. It'll work out when God says it'll work out. and It'll work out when God wants it to work out. Well, listen, God wanted it to work out 2,000 years ago. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again. The time is now. What's holding it up? And this is what people don't like. We are. We are. Your comeback and that door is wide open. What's holding it up? Why haven't I seen it yet? We are. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to hear. The heavens to give rain, to give the rain to your land in its season. Yes, 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 that's what I want to hear. And to bless all the work of your hand. Wait a minute. You shall lend to many nations. Yes, and you shall not borrow. Yes, but right in between the rain and the blessing and the not, lending, uh, not borrowing but lending is a big, huge sentence. To bless the work of your hand. God does want to rain down blessing. I want everybody to get that. That's what he wants. God wants to rain down blessing blessing upon you but what is it going to rain on what is it going to rain on i mean if you don't have anything you're not doing anything if you're just sitting back waiting on him to just rain down and you don't have anything for the rain to land on here's what i want you to understand there is rain pouring from heaven all the time it's never stopped Since Jesus rose again, the blessing flow has been raining. It's never stopped. This is, people are unsure about this. It has never stopped. It It has always been God's will for it to pour down. Always. And there's just trillions and trillions of gallons of the blessing just going to waste because we don't have anything for it to land on. <laughs> What's the blessing supposed to fall upon? A receiving vessel? Yes. But a vessel cannot receive unless it's open, and the only way to open it is through effort on your part. Now, I'm just going to bring up a little example. If you've ever opened the refrigerator and Does anybody in here like pickles? Sweet or dill, it don't matter. Them little butter ones, whatever. They're all good. I can eat any of them. My grandfather used to drink the juice. That's too much. (laughs) But when you first buy that big jar of pickles, that is not the easiest thing to get open. Sometimes... You have to beat it a little bit, hit it with a spoon or a knife or bang it on the counter because it's just really hard to open. Now, what, here's the thing. What if you didn't open it? Guess what that is? That receiver is closed. That jar is closed. What does it take to get it open? Work. 
effort. If we are receivers of the blessing, we have to work in order to open ourselves to receive. (laughs) If you believe, then your actions are going to show that you believe. And it's not just just making the right confession and saying God's going to bless me, although that's part of it. But your actions should show it. (laughs) If you believe that the blessing comes, then people will work to catch it. When really the blessing comes because you've prepared yourself through work to receive it. I love what James says. James says faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world unless you do something and work your faith. It's not going to happen. You cannot be in faith and not be working hard to see the results. Now, the second thing is you have to work hard, yes, to give God something to rain on, but sometimes thinking about what you're doing is half the battle. Putting some thought, that's the second one, putting thought into something is sometimes half the battle. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, work smarter, not harder? Now, I love that phrase, and I believe it's true, unless you're one of the people who think that that means you can sit back and do nothing, and now I'm working smarter, not harder. And that's what I see happening. A lot of people really should change that phrase to work lazier. Don't get quiet. Nobody knows I'm talking to you. Seriously, I've seen people literally doing nothing, and they go, I'm just working smarter. No, you're sitting there collecting dust. <laughs> Sometimes, if you just think about what you're doing, you're going to conquer half the battle. Smarter is not lazier. A lot of people act like it is. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 14. A wise pu- person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Now, most work that people do in their life is stopped because of not knowing how to do something. But if not knowing stops you in your tracks, how much hard work are you really putting into it? That's just a simple question. Now, there are plenty of things (laughs) that we don't know how to do. And I've seen... The same things sit for years because people didn't know what to do next. Let me give you an example. The other day, just while I was at home, when my dad got home from the hospital, I I don't know how many of you know this, but I've been going up there about once a month since the beginning of the year to try and help because my dad has been able to see anyway, uh, besides all this, he's he had cataracts removed and his eyes just haven't come back and so i've been trying to go up there and now they own all of my grandfather's property and it's between 100 and 200 acres and it's 
it's a big, nice spread out there, just a big wooded area, trails cut through it. And so sometimes when I go home, I spend most of my time on a tractor mowing trails and cutting all and, and landscaping all that stuff out there. Not, it definitely doesn't look nice, but, you know, at least it's passable and you can go out there and have fun. And, and it's the paths that my grandfather cut 30 years ago. And I just maintaining. And I'm pretty good at driving a tractor. I mean, I am a redneck from Kentucky, born and raised. It just kind of happens. You don't have to learn it. You just... <laughs> but I got stuck up the other day. There was a path down there that had been closed off for a while. Trees had fallen. There was... Uh, a lot of overgrowth, briars and thorns, and and I, I, I mean, I was like, man, we haven't been able to go down there in a long time. I'm just going to go mow that. So I got down there, and I was doing good, man. I mowed down the hill, mowed back up the other side, got it, it was looking good, went down the one path, put, mowed one side, and got up to a tree laying in there, and I was like, I, could, I can do this. So we went, I went back, and got my little parents, have, they had the little John Deere gator thing, you know, and them little... ATV or SU, whatever they're called, XTVs or whatever. And so I got a chain. We hooked onto the tree and pulled it out of the way. And, and so I'm going on up through there, and it had rained, so it was slippery. And so that tractor started getting sideways. Now, this is not just a flat place. This is on a hillside. So the other side is, whoa, hey, hi, whoa, way down there. And that tractor is sliding backwards. And I'm saying, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I'm sliding backwards. My mom is, she's on the gator back there, and she's yelling at me, Brent, Brent. And I'm like, I'm trying to hit the brakes. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, we got it stopped and got it put in gear, and I was trying to turn it around, wouldn't turn, it just slide. So I am sitting there furious can't get this thing to do what I want it to do and I can't just flip it around I just can't turn it around so we sat and we thought about it for a minute and so we tried a winch you know hooked up we used to call them come alongs I don't know what anybody not not an electric winch but one of these so we tried that and we got the front to scoot just a little bit and so I got on it and I'm sitting there after we got it turned a little bit and started up and I start to go forward and man the thing starts to rear up like this because the back end's going over and I'm I'm standing up to jump off of it and then it sits back down and starts to pull up and so I, I stopped it real fast and so I'm like that's it we're done for the day I'm going home I'm shaking like a leaf you know and so we go we go home I can't hardly sleep that night because I'm so full of adrenaline, I would, I would literally come to myself gripping my pillow and just all flexed, full of, full on flexed. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get, th and this tractor's a 1973, it was my grandfather's, you know, how am I going to get this, I'm, I'm going to ruin it, it's going to wreck, it's, I'm, 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 I don't know what to do. I'm literally stuck. I don't know what to do. Now, it's at that point, you have a decision to make. You can either think it through or you can quit. And I could see a lot of people would just leave a tractor sitting out in the woods till it rusts down to nothing, the tires rot off of it, and it just becomes part of the landscape because they don't know what to do next. 
Well, why don't you just call a tow truck? You ain't getting a tow truck where this is at. Why don't you just get a cable? You're not getting a cable long enough down to where I'm at. Well, why didn't you just, yeah, simple. And I'm thinking I can sit and quit and just leave it because my dad's not going out there to drive. He's the only one who knows how to drive it besides me that's in, you know, immediate family. I can leave it. It'll sit forever. I can wait till it dries out because it's been raining like crazy, but I can't. I'm leaving to come back here. Can't wait that long. So I'm just, if it sits, it's going to sit for a while. So instead of just giving up because I don't know what to do, and I want you to hear me here because this is where people live right here. When you don't know what to do and you decide to give up, you've quit working, and now there's nothing for God to bless. A lot of people do this when it comes to their work for the Lord. I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do nothing. So I went and talked to the one person who would know, my dad. I sat down and I said, first of all, have you ever been scared to death while you're on the tractor? And he said, son, all the time. So it's always, you just never know. He said, but you get used to it because you realize what the tractor's capable of. Okay, so now what do we need to do then? What, what, how do I get off this? How do I get this thing turned around? And, and he starts throwing out a few things. And then my mom throws out a few suggestions. So I got one of my dad's guys that works for him, and we went out there, and just between what my dad said and my mom said, we strapped a, something onto the front end, put the other end on the gator, thank God it was muddy, and we just pulled that thing right around Got it straight. I got back on it. Still shaking like a leaf. Still scared to death. I want you to hear me. I was still scared. I was still unsure. But I went and found somebody else that would know and used, come on now, their advice. Why? Because I didn't want to leave that out there. Why? I was hungry for the next, you know, for, for the future. I want to see what happens. And see, if you just quit and give up, your comeback stays closed. I went and asked my dad, and we talked, and I found out what I needed to do to do the next, to get it out of there. So if you stop because you don't know, and you never go to find out how much hard work are you really putting into it, what are you doing for God to bless IBM says this, we're living in an age where general knowledge doubles every 12 to 13 months. They're believing that before 2030, knowledge will double every 12 hours. Every 12 hours. Right now, it's, every, it's once a year. We know as much, we double as much as we know in a year. Now, it's not just the person. That's general. Now, think about it when it's happening every 12 hours. Now, I heard a pastor say this one time, and it's a really good friend of mine. He actually said this. Between the Holy Spirit and Google, I can find out anything. That went over everybody's head. Between the Holy Spirit and Google, I can figure out how to do anything. 
That's arrogance, right? No. It's true. If you're willing to put the work in, you can find out how to do something. If there's something that rocked your world, that set you back, I guarantee you, you can find out what to do about it. Thinking's half the battle. Somebody gave us a hot tub when we lived in Tulsa. And I'm thinking, yeah, hot tub. Ha! Hot tub, how? Anybody else remember that? James Brown's hot tub time. Uh, yeah, I see hands back there. All right. Celebrity hot tub. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm thinking, yes. And then they delivered it. And it was the base basin. No sides, no pump, no electricity. None of the jets hooked up. It was just the part you sit in. And I was like, Thanks. I mean, there's no frame. It's not in a cute little box. Nothing. Now, I could have got offended and thrown it away or let it sit on my back porch and just rot. I could have just sat there and, I, I'm not a hot tub installer. But I'm going to tell you something. I learned a lot because of YouTube. Let me tell you what I did. I plumbed with no experience a hot tub. I wired with no experience a hot tub. I built a frame with no experience for a hot tub. I closed it in and insulated it with no experience, all from watching YouTube videos. You know why? Because I couldn't afford a $2,000 hot tub. If I wanted a hot tub... I'm going to have to use what I have and do the work. Come on. Now you go, well, Pastor Brent, what that? how's that in the real world? There are things that you've been given opportunities to do, but there's not the whole thing there. You have been given an opportunity to come back from defeat, and there's not everything you think that needs to be there. And so you go, well, I don't know how to do that. You don't have that excuse anymore. Between what you can find out on the internet, well, I don't like to get on the computer. Let me go back old school. There's a thing called a library, and they still have them. And you can still get books on just about anything. <laughs> Thinking is half the battle. <laughs> there are things that you need to do, but you aren't real sure how, to, how. And instead of figuring it out, you stop and wait, and you let your comeback pass you by. The Bible does say this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. How can there be a lack of knowledge as an excuse when knowledge is a click or a read or a video away? But I'm completely unfamiliar. My wife changed a shower head at our house with no experience, and I wasn't there. Wow, you're a terrible husband. No, she did it without me knowing. She just did it. She found somebody else that knew how to do it, 
and ask him what she needed to do, and she did it. Are you willing to do the work? Are you really willing to think things through? Last thing is this. We're going to work hard. Come on, somebody. We're going to think things through. But then we're not going to put our trust in that. That doesn't make sense. What's the point of working hard then? What's the point of doing all the thought and thinking things through if I don't put my trust in it? Because the moment you start putting your trust in your own thoughts and in your own hard work, you're setting yourself up to fail. Because now you believe you are the answer that you need. Your work is something for God to put his power on. Your work doesn't save you. Your work is something for God to work through. Your work doesn't bring you back. When you work hard, you start trusting in it. The Bible says that pride goes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. When you start thinking it's all about you and what you can do, your trust is in your hard work, you're getting ready to fall flat on your face. Because even if you complete the task, which most of you need to learn to do, if you complete the task and you pat yourself on the back, that's when something's going to else going to blow up in your face. Hard work brings with it the temptation to believe in yourself. But here's the thing that keeps it all together. You are not the answer. That's a good little ego stroke, isn't it? You are not the answer. Hard work is just increasing the size of your receiver. Now I want you to see this because I, I pulled up, we're going to pull up a bunch of pictures right now. Most people have the receiving capability of this. That's a thimble. And when they don't know something, they just stop. But the more you go and think and learn, watch what happens. Your, your capacity to receive increases. Shot glass. Shh, don't tell nobody. Okay? And you keep learning, and your capacity to learn more and do more and, and work harder. Come on. And for God to, now listen, God's the one pouring in here. It increases again to a coffee cup. I should have probably got a better color. Coffee cup. And he keeps work. And you keep working, you can receive more. Then that increases because you keep working harder. You get the big, the big daddy coffee cup. <laughs> Somebody said, I only have one cup a day. And you keep learning, and you keep working, and you keep trying, and that capacity goes from that to the kiddie pool. And you keep working, and you keep thinking, and you keep working hard, and your capacity for God. Now see, again, God's filling this. Come on, y'all, get it. All my work does is makes me keep increasing how much of God's blessing I can contain. Come on, I go from this to this. Come on, then I go from this to this. Come on, and eventually I get to this. And everybody wants to start here. 
Everybody wants to start right here. And they get discouraged when in actuality they have the size of the thimble, the work ethic of the thimble, the thinking of the thimble. Psalm chapter 44, verse number four. You are my king and my God. You command victories for Israel. Only by your power can we push back our enemies. Only in your name can we trample our foes. Look in verse number six. I do not trust in my bow. I do not count on my sword to save me. Now, I want you to catch this, because a lot of people would look at that and go, well, see, what's the point? Go find me a story where Israel didn't know how to use the bow and didn't know how to use the spear and didn't know how to use the sword. They were proficient. They learned. In fact, in Judges, it talks about that. Go to Judges chapter 3. These are the nations, verse number one, these are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Now look in verse two, this is huge. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Well, but isn't he God? I mean, couldn't he just zap them with electricity and they end up looking like Superman? Couldn't they have just been downloaded like in the Matrix where they just download Kung Fu? And some of you are like, I haven't seen the Matrix. Well, you need to see it. <laughs> How many of you remember that? Neo walks, or, or, or Morpheus walks over and Neo's sitting there in the chair and he looks at him and he goes, I know Kung Fu. All he's been doing is sitting in a chair with a computer hacked into his brain teaching him these things. And a lot of people think that's how this works. This is not how it works. He left them there to teach them. How many of you know learning is hard? Come on, work. How many of you recall learning in high school, middle school? I, I got a sixth grader right now. I want to pull my hair out. It's hard work. And what was God doing? He was increasing their capacity because when they got out there, they didn't trust in the sword. They didn't trust in the bow and the spear. They trusted in God so that when they swung the sword, it was the most efficient swing. Come on. When they pulled back and the arrow flew, it flew straight because God would stop the wind and make it hit the target. When they threw the spear, it would fly straight and strong and stick into its target. But what if they're out there holding to the wrong end of the sword? Come on, what if they're out there pointing the bows at each other and letting go? Well, God could just make the arrows fly the other way. He can, but that's not how it works. How hard of work is training? It's hard. Did Israel know how to fight? Yes. They didn't just put their trust in their fighting, though. They put their trust in the power of God. And that's what we need to do. If I'm going to come back, I am going to work hard. If I'm coming back from what set me back, I have to work hard to do it. I can't put it on autopilot. 
I need to learn how things work. I need to know how people think. I'm not a psychic, but I can be around somebody for a, a little bit of time, and I can t- kind of tell you where they're going. Why? Because I pay attention. I'm working hard. Israel worked very hard to be proficient, but they trusted God for everything that their work could not do. There are things that you're going to face in your time of coming back that your work can't do. But there's a whole lot that your work can. But there's a time where your work stops and you just can't do anymore. Now, I'm not talking about I opened up the article and it was so long and I just didn't want to read all that. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're capable and you're able, come on, you need to do it. (laughs) There is no substitute for hard work. But when I get to the point where I literally cannot do anymore, that's when God's power kicks in. I can't control the weather. When I let go of an arrow, but God can. There is no substitute for hard work, but hard work increases the size of your container for God to dump the blessing into. Hard work doesn't create the door for your comeback, God does. It doesn't open the door for your comeback, God does. But hard work walks through the door of your comeback where God's blessing waits. Heads bowed and eyes closed.